the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hello, everybody. Ron Guy with End Time Insights. Uh, thank you so much for listening and tuning in. We appreciate your faithfulness. Somebody, I walked into the studio today to do this, and the lady behind the desk, Sweet Laurel, she told me she got a phone call from somebody that enjoyed our show. I'm keeping count. Every time somebody tells me, I'm up to 17. I know there's more, but we're growing. Where do you see us by the end of next year? We got 25 people. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening. It means a lot to me. Thank you, Jesus. And I know the information that we're giving you, I know it's from the heart of God. We never want to come here and speak out of our own spirits. We want to make sure that we are representing God. And that's what Christianity is all about. We are not establishing God's kingdom on earth. He'll do that when he comes back. But we are representing his kingdoms. We are literally ambassadors for Christ. Hallelujah. Today's topic is return unto me. And uh, let me just give it to you as I've got it. There's so many things happening right now. Uh, We're starting to see victories in the body of Christ. We're starting to see passion and prayer seems to be taking over again. It's really a good time to be a child of God. It has been a trying time for the church in America. You know, it's been a time of testing and pruning, cleansing, sharpening, purifying. We've definitely been in the furnace of affliction, but that's okay. Just as long as we come out, amen? God perfects us there. Yeah, we suffered casualties, all right? But those that remain have had their fires lit, I believe. Those that have come through this are ready, willing, and able. We're even eager to battle. It's great. Totally different than where we've been. The devil has done his best, as John Osteen used to say, but his best just is never good enough. God has relit fires in the body. He's removed fear far from us. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Prayer, vibrant, dynamic, passionate prayer, word-filled prayer. It's everywhere. Truth no longer lies dormant in the street. We have new leaders ready, up and running to sacrifice everything for the cause of Christ. It's a fabulous time to be a Christian. I'm excited to be one. And Satan and his people had better run. They had better hide. We are in his face, and he knows his time is short. And we know it as well. And what he's going to do, he's got to do quickly. Like Jesus told Judas, what you do, do quickly. So I want to read you from Amos 4. Once again, we're talking about return unto me. And I'm going to read you scriptures where God was constantly telling Israel to return unto him, or where he called them out for not returning unto him. And that was Israel. But understand, even though the people, I'm talking about Christians, they're talking about Jews, God was talking about Israel, I'm talking about America. Yes, these are words intended for the Jewish people. And yet, the principle applies to us in America also. Amos 4. Uh, I'm going to skip uh, verses 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Basically, they're God. Uh, God's telling Israel um, where they're messing up, what they've done wrong, their sin. Verse 6. 
And I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all of your cities, and I've given you a want of bread in all of your places, yet you have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. So God is showing them where he's created lack in their lives, and the purpose of that being that they would recognize that they need intervention from God. Verse 7, And also I have withheld the rain from you when there were yet three months to the harvest, and I caused it to rain upon one city and caused it not to rain upon another city, one piece was rained upon, and the piece whereupon it rained not withered and died. So two or three cities wandered into one city to drink water for their sustenance, but they were not satisfied. And yet you have not returned unto me, saith the Lord God, is using this to show how he used the weather to get their attention, that, look, I control this stuff here. I'm in charge, and I want your attention, and I will do whatever I have to do to get it. Verse 9, I have smitten you with blasting and mildew when your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increased. The palmer worm devoured them. Yet you have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Now, don't forget, he's written this. This has been recorded after they've been through this. But he expected the Jews to know that it was God that was doing these things. And he said, that's one of the ways that God gets our attention. Verse 10, I have sent among you the pestilence. And after the manner of Egypt, your young men have I slain with the sword and have taken away your horses. I have made the stink of your camps to come up unto your nostrils. Yet you have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Now, people would be saying, well, why would you return to God if he's doing all this stuff? This is after the goodness of God. This is after the blessing of God. This is after he had given them grace and favor and victory in battle. And they, they did not acknowledge him. They praised themselves. They patted themselves on the back. They thought that they were doing it. And God's saying, I'm the one that's in charge here, and I want your attention. I want you to know me. Verse 11, I have overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And you were as a firebrand plucked out of the burning, yet you have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Dave Gusick comments on it this way, and it's so important. Yet you have not returned to me. This was, and this is so important, this was the greatest tragedy. Anyone can stumble into sin and feel the correcting hand of God. But we are in far greater trouble when we feel God's correction and we still don't return to him. And that is awesome because we just taught on this last week over in Romans 11. This is so vitally important. You must get this. I'm going to read this out of here. Let me see if I can bring it up. Okay, here we go. First, God hates sin. You got to know that. God hates sin. It's detestable. Sin cannot stand in the presence of God. There's no wiggle room in regards to that. He detests it. And if we continue in sin, we will no longer have a relationship with him. But that's not the end of the story. Let me read you Romans 11, verses 21 and 22. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not you. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God on them which fell severity, but towards you, goodness, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also shall be cut off. Learn the lesson here. This is vitally important. God removed the natural branches from the vine because of their unbelief. Notice in verse 22, God calls that his severity. Okay, fine. We get that. That's easy. Now notice how he deals with us who've been grafted in. Goodness. If you know your Bible, you're going to know that the goodness of God has a purpose, and that purpose is to lead us to repentance. So we see that the Jews, they were cut off because of their unbelief, but then God in his grace and goodness grafted us in. And he said, be careful because if you do not continue in my goodness, you will also be cut off. 
What is he trying to say? My point is this. God doesn't hang us, as it were, for our sins. He knows we're going to sin. Technically, he can't hang us for a sin because sin's already been dealt with on the cross by Jesus. Jesus has made atonement. He's been the propitiation for our sins. He suffered the penalty for our sin, and he defeated it on his cross. We don't get in trouble with God when we sin. Understand that. We get in trouble with God when we reject his goodness. Well, why is that so important? Because when we reject his goodness, we are spurning the gift of repentance, which brings us back into relationship with him. That's the glory of grace. It's opportunity. We control our own destiny with God concerning sin. We're going to sin. God knows that. But divine love has made provision to deal with that on a daily basis, and it's called repentance. So I want you to see that because if you sin, and you are going to sin, the Bible says uh, we have an advocate with the Father if we send Jesus Christ the righteous. So the idea is that you can return to God, and that's what return means. It means you come back to God. Yes, you're going to sin. Yes, you're going to mess up. But you come back to God, and you receive the forgiveness, you repent, and you walk back into the relationship that you've had with God, because sin will separate you from that relationship. And verse 12, let me read it. Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet your God. Whew. I believe we're here in America right now. We are being prepared to meet our God. Hopefully, for the great majority of us, that won't take place until we get to heaven where we're raptured, we're taken out of here before the tribulation, before the wrath of God is revealed upon us. You don't want to be here when Jesus comes back. That's where the wrath of God is going to be manifested, and you will be judged harshly. And if you are a Christian during that time, there's a good chance you're going to lose your life because it's going to be rampant persecution. Prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Mm. Uh, I love Spurgeon. He says there's three aspects to this prepare to meet your God. And number one, it's a challenge, he says. God invites his enemies to prepare to meet him. Oh, boy. A boxer prepares long and hard before stepping into the ring against the champion. And if you're not prepared to meet God, you're going to find out that he is the God that judges thee. If you are going to step into the ring with God, you had better prepare ahead of time. The prophet may be understood as an irony challenging the proud rebels to meet in arms the God in whom they have despised. Let them prepare to fight it out with him whom they have made to be their enemy and against whose laws they have continually revolted. You do not want to get into a fight with God. The Bible says it is a terror to fall into the hands of the living God. So many of us here living in America on the earth today who have rejected God, who have dismissed him, is just the in the mind and the imaginations of so-called weak people who become Christians that is not it at all, and that is a misnomer. And the Bible says the fool is said in his heart that there is no God. I'm here to tell you today there is a God, and he's calling you. He wants you to return unto him. The door of opportunity, salvation, it is still open. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and the knowledge of the truth. Spurgeon further writes, prepare to meet your God. It's an invitation as an invitation like I just gave you. This, this is a blessing. The opportunity for salvation is here today. Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today is the day of salvation. We are not appointed unto wrath, but we are appointed to obtain salvation through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the third way that uh, Spurgeon sees this, uh, prepare to meet your God, it's a summons. As a summons, we recognize that one day all will stand before God and give an account. 
And Spurgeon writes, I love the way he writes, think a while upon who it is that you have to meet. You must meet your creator. You must meet your maker, your God. That is, offended justice you must meet whose laws you have broken. You must meet whose penalties you have ridiculed. You must meet him whose justice righteously, indignantly, with its sword worn, you must confront. You got to know what you're doing, folks. You must meet your God. That is, you must be examined. You must be examined by unblinded omnipotence. That means he's everywhere. He knows everything that you've done. He who has seen your heart and read your thoughts. He who has jotted down your affections and remembered your idle words. You must meet him. Him of infinite discernment you must meet. Those eyes that never yet were duped. The God who will see through the veils of hypocrisy and all the concealments of Formality. There will be no making yourself out to be better than who you are before him. Spurgeon writes that. I love the way he writes. He's awesome. For lo, verse 13, For lo, he that formeth the mountains and creates the wind and declareth unto man what is his thought, he that maketh the morning darkness and treads upon the high places of the earth, the Lord, the God of hosts, is his name, and that is who you must prepare to meet. Uh, the easy-to-read version says it like this. He is the one who made the mountains. He created the wind. He lets people know his thoughts. I love that. He lets people know his thoughts. You've got to know what God's thinking. People say, well, that's God. I don't know what he's talking about. Well, read your Bible and find out what he's talking about. I know what God thinks about the coronavirus. I know what God thinks about the attempted socialist takeover of our government. I know what God thinks about sin. I know what God thinks about righteousness. I know what God thinks about war, what he thinks about peace, what he thinks about love, what he thinks about hate. I know what he thinks about that. And I can say that confidently because he says it right here. He is the one who made the mountains. He created the wind. He lets people know his thoughts. He changes the darkness into dawn. He walks over the mountains of the earth. His name is Yahweh, Lord God, all powerful. God's invitation for you to return unto him. It's always out there. This is what the whole dispensation of grace is all about. It's about the opportunity to know God intimately, one-on-one. You don't need to go through Mary. You don't need to go through man or any other doctor or any other church organization. You will be judged eternally on your personal relationship with God. The church in America has been absent. We have refused to engage the enemy on behalf of our nation. But just like Israel, God makes provision, Genesis 32, 9. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which saith unto me, Return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will do well with thee. As it's written there, that's a specific command to a specific person with a specific promise. Yet the principle applies to everybody. If the church will return to the responsibility of caring for America and the people of America, God's promise is he will deal well with us. Don't you see that? You can just substitute America for Israel. You can substitute the church for the Jew, and you can apply that principle. It's a biblical principle written there for everybody who reads it. Jeremiah 4.1, I took this in the Message Bible. I like the way the message reads it. Jeremiah 4.1. If you want to come back, O Israel, you must really come back to me. You must get rid of your stinking and sin paraphernalia. You must not wander away from me anymore. Then you can say words like, as God liveth, and have them mean something true and just and right. And I love this here. And the godless nations will get caught up in the blessing and find something in Israel to write home about. 
do you see that when Israel as a nation will return unto God, there will be blessings that will overflow into the godless nations? I think that's fabulous. You know, I don't hate Mexico or Canada or France, even China for all the evil they've done to us. I would like nothing better than America to be restored. I would like nothing better than America as a people, as a nation, return unto God and let the nations of the earth be blessed because of his overflow blessings on our land. You know, that's how it was when we were first a nation. You can even use the world wars and see how God blessed the nations through America, our wheat fields fed the earth. Our prosperity helped other countries when they were down during times of crisis and calamity. It's always America that was there. And those blessings are still there if we will return unto God as a people. On September 26th, I want to make this announcement here as I interrupt my lesson in the middle of it. On September 26th, there's something that's going to be called The Return. It's being sponsored by Jonathan Kahn, but there's other great Christian men there. There's Pat Robertson. There's going to be Franklin Graham doing something in part also. And you can find out all about this on www.thereturnwebsite.org. That's www.thereturnwebsite.org. And these leaders will be there. It's not really going to be a time of teaching and uh, singing. It's going to be a time of prayer. Franklin Graham, I think he gets on the scene at 2 o'clock on September 26th. They're just going to pray. They're going to pray up and down the Washington Mall. They're just going to pray. They're not going to do anything. I don't know if Jonathan Kahn's going to have some people talking there. He probably will. But this is important. Now, this is going to be preceded by 10 days of prayer and fasting. It's got something to do with a Jewish holiday where there was uh, the holiday. I forget which one it was. It might have been the Feast of Trumpets, but I could be wrong on that. And then after 10 days, there was celebration and something happened. This is going to coincide with that. And it's going to be a time of prayer, fasting. If you can't attend, I got friends that are attending there. They're going to go there for the September 23rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th. They want to partake in it. They're called by God. They're awesome people. They're going to come back and give us a report. But for those of you who may not be able to go and are interested, get your church. It's going to be streamed. Get your church involved. We're going to go out to our church. We're going to spend the Saturday there. It's going to be an awesome time. I think the actual streaming on that Saturday, September 26th, is going to be 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. And we're going to have a day of prayer and fasting as we join them in this. I see this as a national move of God. I see God all over this. I see churches opening as we break the power of the devil. And we're really excited to be a part of it. And I'm thrilled to be able to talk to you about this. I personally view this as a special move of God, perhaps the last one before the church is removed. Encourage your church to contact others. Take a stand and make a commitment to return America back to God. Jeremiah 42, verse 12. And I will show mercies unto you that he may have mercy upon you and cause you to return to your own land. You know, I don't know where the church has been. We've been absent. There's no question about that. This is important. Yes, God is bringing the children of Israel back in the scripture and to the land from which they were scattered, which he scattered them. The church in America, we may not have been physically absent from the land, but we most definitely have been absent from our assignment to fight for our nation in the realm of the spirit. And this is telling. It's because of God's mercies he's bringing Israel back. Well, if he's bringing back Israel based on his mercies, then we can ask him to restore America based on his mercy because he is the God of mercy. He said there's new mercy every morning. You know what you have to do to get God's mercy? You know what you have to do? You know what great task you have to do to get God's mercy? You got to get up and get out of bed. It's that simple. There's new mercies every morning. 
but we most definitely have been absent, as I said. It's because God's mercies, he is bringing Israel back home. And then it is because of his mercies also, he's going to bring America. He's going to bring the church back to its rightful place. And so for me, I'm interceding for God's mercies to overtake the church in America. Jeremiah 24, verses 6 and 7. For I will set mine eyes upon them for good. Talking about Israel again. I will set my eyes upon Israel for good. And I will bring them again into this land. And I will build them and not pull them down. And I will plant them and I will not pluck this up. And here's one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. And I will give them a heart to know me. That I am the Lord. And they shall be my people. And I will be their God. For they shall return unto me with their whole heart. You know, you're wondering, how do I pray for my nation? How do I pray? You pray like this, number one, Jeremiah 42, and I will show mercies unto you. Intercede for the mercies of God. Of course we've messed up. We're humans. We're people. Without God, we fail. Even with God, we endure because it's a struggle. It's a daily battle. And yet, knowing that he said his mercies would be there for you, I'm going to pray for those mercies. Jeremiah 24, he says, I will give them a heart to know me. Wow, I love that. Ezekiel 33 talks about he's going to remove the stony heart of flesh. He's going to give us a new heart. I pray that he will give us a heart to know him. I pray, Father God, not only the people that are lost, Father God, I pray for the enemies of the cross right now, the Obamas and the Pelosi's and the Jeff Flakes, those who have set themselves against the word of God, those that have set themselves upon the destruction of our nation. I pray for those in charge of the CDC, Father God, who have lied to us and deceived us, Father, to promote their agenda. I pray for the World Health Organization, those leaders who are intent upon removing America, the United Nations, who is an enemy of the cross, who is an enemy of righteousness. Father God, I pray for those people in those positions. And then, of course, I pray for the people of God, that he would give them a heart to know him. I pray that the people in America would have a heart to know you, that you would give them that heart, Father God. The Bible says God gives gifts unto men. I cannot think of a more important, more precious more loving, more holy gift than to give someone a heart that would know God. You know, David, the Bible says that God gave David a heart like that. David had a heart that was after God. I believe he got that because God gave it to him, because God was going to use David for his purposes. But what I love about David, he was not only a worshiper, but he was also a warrior. And we in the body of Christ need to do spiritual warfare. We need to return unto God. We need to do that because of the mercy of God. We need to ask God to give us a heart for his word, a heart that wants to know him. You cannot know God apart from his word. The more you know the word, the more you know God. And so, Lord, that's what we're praying. I pray that you raise up people in America in the church, Father God, that are bold, that have hearts like David, that want to know you, that want to follow you, that want to obey you, Father God. Paul put it this way. He goes, that I may know you and the power of your resurrection, Lord, and the fellowship of your sufferings, Father God, being made conformed unto you, not only in death, but in life also. I added that last part. So that's our prayer right now. We are interceding for the church. Pay attention to your emails. There are some great Christian organizations. There's the Intercessors for America. They send out updates. There's also another one, Kingdom Connections, is promoting a 40-day prayer time. They're giving you specific prayers. They're giving you the scriptures. They've written it out for you. All you have to do is pray the prayer. I'm telling you, at the end of those 40 days, if you get online with some of these people, get on board with what they're doing, we are going to see a unity. We are going to see a power-packed, 
the emergence of the church. You know, I feel like I'm saying to the devil, let my people go. This is a modern day revival in the church to get the people back in the churches, to get the people that don't know God out of the grip of the enemy, to get the people of God standing tall. And just like Moses told Pharaoh, let my people go, I say in the name of Jesus Christ, you let these people go. You let the church go. You let the pastors go. I rebuke fear over their lives in Jesus' name. They are not dictated by what they can do, what they can say, when they can open by the devil. They are led by the Spirit of God. The Bible says that the church, the pillar and the ground of truth. And man, if our nation needs anything right now, it is truth. So I confess that the church is strong. I say we are alive. I say we are bearing more truth for the kingdom of God and that fruit remains. I say no weapon formed against the church shall not prosper. Father God, I call the power of God out of the church. The Bible says, behold, I give you might and power, dominion, authority over all of the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm you. Father God, I thank you for this time. Father, I thank you that people are excited. I thank you that people are committed. And I thank you, Father God, that we're going to do what we're supposed to be doing. We're going to rise up in faith. We're going to defend our nation. We're going to restrain the devil, Father God. We're going to say no to ungodly laws. And we're going to trust you that you will perfect that which concerns us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.